The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. This is Good Morning New York, and you are listening to Voice America's Variety Channel. I am your host, Vince Rocco. I'd like to welcome our listeners, as always, from the United States and around the world, So new development, new condo development is on the rise. New York City has seen 287,000-plus residential units completed since the year 2000. The source is the city of New York. The height of this period was 2007, when 26,256 units were completed. The average number of units uh, completed citywide annually during this span was 17,900. Of all the boroughs, Manhattan had the highest number of average annual completions between 2000 and 2015 with 5,328 units. Some bad behavior by hedge fund executives in the Hamptons this summer may have given the area a bad reputation, but it has had nothing but upside for area real estate agents, according to a recent news report. Hampton homeowners, it seems, are turning more and more to brokers and away from uh, self-listing their homes on various websites in an attempt to better vet these weekend warriors. Top broker Dolly Lenz credits the trend toward using brokers for the season's poster boys of bad behavior and storied enclave Hamptons, people don't want any of this anymore. Daniel Stephen Hafner, the chief executive of the software company that operates the travel website Kayak.com, bought a four-bedroom, four-and-a-half-bath duplex at Walker Tower, a 24-story Art Deco condominium conversion in Chelsea, according to City Records. At $24 million, it was the most expensive closed sale of the week. A sprawling apartment on the 64th floor of 157, the 90-story blue glass skyscraper at 157 West 57th Street, where the city's most expensive single-family residence officially closed last year, sold for $21,500,000, this according to Property Records. It's one of the week's biggest transactions. The buyer, whose identity was shielded by the limited partnership, is also the owner of a neighboring apartment in the same building that was bought for $24.84 million in late 2014 and presumably will be combined with the new <coughs> unit. We can't imagine the Barefoot Contessa cooking up the most delicious recipes anywhere other than at her East Hampton estate, but if Ina Garten simply must venture anywhere else at times, we suppose a Park Avenue perfect apartment for Pied-a-Terre will do. When not out east, and husband, uh, when not out east, the chef extraordinaire and her husband, Yale University Dean Emeritus Jeffrey, had purchased just purchased four point six five million dollar two bedroom, three bathroom home at five sixty three Park Avenue. It looks to be ideally suited for all their culinary needs. The kitchen was recently renovated and is perfect for an enthusiastic cook. On the heels of that, CBS Evening News anchor Scott Pelley had added has added a flat iron pied-à-terre to his real estate holdings. Pele, who was also a correspondent for 60 Minutes, and his wife Jane paid $2.25 million 
for a two-bedroom, two-bathroom abode at 50 West 15th Street in the Oculus Condominium. Their new pad has wide plank cherry wood floors, an open chef's kitchen and Viking appliances and quartz countertops, and a washer and dryer in the unit. And on Friday, mobs of shoppers swarmed a uh, Tribeca pop-up shop desperate to get their hands on some rare Kanye West merchandise. Many told the New York Post the long lines weren't worth it, but for West himself, it was a pretty sweet deal. West opened 21, 21 temporary stores this weekend in various cities, including New York, Toronto, Boston, San Francisco, and Sydney, Australia. In New York, the rapper opened a shop outside the makeshift supermarket space at 393 Broadway near Walker Street. Huge lines formed uh, with some fans and resellers waiting up to 11 hours to get in. But according to the Post, Kanye paid just $170,000 for the space for three days. This incredibly expensive merchandise was basically cleaned out on the first day. So we are betting that Conway made a killing. So l- let me ask you just a quick question to my panel here. You know, So what are with these pop-up stores that are so popping up all over the place and so popular? Lately, anywhere, the Hamptons, New York City, all these other big cities. What's, what's the deal with these? Well, things? actually, what's interesting was in the early days of the recession, pop-up stores were a way for landlords who had empty retail space to fill them temporarily. Because retail leases are very long. They're 10 years, 15, 25 years. Correct. And nobody was renting. Nobody was starting a new business during the recession. So... If someone approached them and said, hey, can I have a lease for two months or something? I want to try something. They'd say, yes, 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 just to meet some of their payroll. And I think because it was new, it was different, just like everything in New York. When it's new and it's different, it gets Mm. a lot of press. And I thought they were kind of exciting. You never know what's going to change or come up. And I think it just tumbled on itself. Well, also, I think it's just an easy, cheaper alternative for the, the, the actual seller as well. So instead of having to rent a brick-and-mortar store, which these days the Internet, I think, is also fueling the pop-up stores. Because having a brick-and-mortar store is a 10-, 15-year proposition if you mm-hmm. actually sign a lease. It's a lot of overhead. This way, um, it's sort of a happy medium between the tangibility of having a pop-up store so you can check out the merchandise in person and build popularity for the retail owner. It's about showcasing their retail space and getting some use out of it while it's still sitting on the market. So it seems to be the new trend that is sort of win-win for not only the the merchandiser and the retailer, but then or the, the retail space owner, but also for the end buyer because then we get to touch and feel the merchandise. I actually think that this may just be more and more the wave of the future as the internet, I mean, because even this past Christmas, internet sales were through the roof yep. and brick and mortar sales were really, there really were a down. There were a lot of pop-up, yep. pop-up stores right. for fun. And, and I have yeah. to tell you, mostly during that time of the year is when you see them, and mm-hmm. or certainly in the summertime in the Hamptons yeah. and places like that, or what Kanye just did downtown. I think it's brilliant because, yeah. you know, even if you don't want to take a long-lasting lease, because you may not want to stay in that particular business for long, mm-hmm. but you can make a lot of money in a very short period of time right. if you have the right merchandise and the right marketing and the right advertising, you know. It also enables you to create a more online presence because you've created a clientele and, you know, a fan 
fan base, so to speak. Uh, when people try this stuff on, they really like it. They're not so reticent <clears throat> to trying a new brand, that sort of a thing. Right. I mean, I really, I really do believe that this is probably, because I've been concerned about retail space and the future of it, um, especially after this past Christmas. Absolutely. And it seems that this may just be the new trend and where the future lies for retail space. I absolutely agree but, with that because I think what you said before, you know, based on the, the um, higher uh, internet sales this past Christmas season uh, compared to the brick and mortar sales, I think you're onto something there with the pop-ups because I think that's exactly where we're going to be. And listen, you know, maybe that's not such a bad idea because we've got to save that somehow. Anyway, uh, we are talking to Perul Brombat from Compass, Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential, and Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate. Good morning to you all. Good morning. Good morning. Matt, are you there? Good morning. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> so in this morning, waiting so for him to chime in. Yeah, before. we wanted to see where you are. Yeah. All right, listen, I'm, we're going to talk a little bit about renovations, and I happen to be going through one myself right now, so I'll have a little bit to contribute here. But if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a building to renovate an apartment, even if your project is confined to your own four walls, your neighbors can't help but get involved, whether they're suffering the demolition noise or passing your contractors in the hallway. For that reason, many design professionals recommend notifying your neighbors upstairs, downstairs, and next door, whether it be in writing or a personal visit in advance of starting any work. It's a bit like giving them a heads up before throwing a party, a way to defect, deflect rather bad feelings and noise complaints. So let's talk a little bit about renovations. And as I just said a, a minute ago, I'm going through one now. And I actually, you know, even before reading this story last week, said to my neighbors next door. So it, I'm going to be doing this for a couple of weeks, probably, hopefully not much longer. Um, and it's going to get a little noisy, a little messy. And boy, I tell you, I was there the first day when they started demoing. And I was, I mean, I couldn't even believe the noise. I have to wonder how, you know, this. we get away with this kind of stuff in buildings. When you're renovating a house, it's nobody but yourself. And you go and you leave and you come, whatever. But in a building, you've got people upstairs, downstairs, and side by side. And you have to wonder what that's like. So, you know, my neighbor, my personal neighbor did their kitchen last summer. But fortunately, they did it in August when I was gone for the whole month. So I really came back and they were just doing some final <coughs> finishing touches. But let's talk a little bit about renovations here in New York City for the listening audience because it is a little different and it's a lot different uh, when you're renovating here in town than it is anywhere else, most especially in a house. What well, are the, I think some of the pitfalls? I, I, would, I think it's the same concept as in the suburbs or anywhere else, except for the fact it's just in a closer capacity. So, I mean, you know, you would always say that you hope workers come during the times that they say they will during work hours. Um, of course, if they're a little early or a little later, that's when it's most um, inconvenient for your neighbors. Um, I know that my favorite was last year, they were renovating the apartment above mine, and I, of course, was extremely sick the first day started renovations, which is <laughs> the worst of the demolition, oh and I worked from home, and <laughs> I heard drilling the whole day to the yeah. point where, at, at one point, my ceiling was actually, it, it, there was dust particles like falling off my ceiling because it was so bad. So I think people just have to understand that it it is what it is, um, but just to be mindful of you know telling your workers exactly what the hours need to be and how if they're a little off, it's just so detrimental to the neighbors. 
It's also pretty nice when you renovate an apartment before you move into it, which a lot of our clients do. You know, they buy something, they decide they want to do the bathrooms and the kitchens or the entire apartment. But when you're living in your apartment and you've been there for a long time, as I have been, you know, it's it's even more inconvenient because now you're living with dust and you're living with the drilling and you know, at least the first couple of days you want to be there to kind of acquaint with the contractors and, and whoever, whoever's in there, painters in my case. So, um, but it gets very overwhelming. And I also have a pet. And so everybody knows about Jet. And, you know, Jet can't stay in the apartment during the day like she normally does when I'm at work because she can't be there with the workers because they'll never get anything done. So she's off to camp and there's another expense. But one of the things oh. I'm finding very frustrating is that you wait for one or two or several of them to come and have a meeting with you about picking things out, countertops, sinks, this or that, floors, whatever, and they're supposed to be there, and then they're not. And then they come three hours later, and it's like, well, I'm kind of coming back and forth from work. I can't be staying home every day throughout this entire renovation. So, so wait, I think, you, I think you bring up a really good point before you get into that about the neighbors, because when you, even though it's great to renovate before you move in, if you affect your neighbors and you don't even know them, that's really a bad start. Correct. <laughs> so I had, I actually had very smart clients who, you know, I helped them buy this tremendous loft in Chelsea that needed almost a complete gut job. And before, since they were going to do the work before moving in, um, they actually had a party, a get, not a party, a get together with everyone on their floor in their apartment before they did the work to basically say, hey, here's some wine. We're going to be making a lot of noise for the next six months. <laughs> Great idea. Great <laughs> so idea. I Just would keep the wine flowing for however something. long the renovation is going to work, and I'm sure everybody will be very happy. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a brilliant idea, mm-hmm. and... I just have so much to say on this. Please do. <laughs> um, many times I work with a lot of people coming out of studios, one bedrooms, moving into much larger homes. And they don't always have the funds to renovate before they move in. Mm-hmm. So many times they will move into one corner of the apartment and get half of it done in the other. And I always wondered how that worked. And people all said they would never do it again, but they were glad they did it at the time. So that's Number one. Number two, what I think people don't realize about living in Manhattan, and it might be similar in Europe where the apartments, the homes, the buildings are cheek to jowl. We have so many regulations regarding garbage removal and things like that. So if you're doing demolition, Mm -hmm. your contractor has to know the neighborhood's rules. You can't bring any demolition stuff out to the curb between certain hours. It has to be really early in the morning, really late. Trust me, I'm right. I'm realizing all of that. Yes, yeah. But people don't. And a lot of this adds to the cost. Yeah. And if the building is fined for having garbage or something taken out at the wrong time, it's passed on to the homeowner. Mm -hmm. So you have to take care of that. And Phil is absolutely right about throwing a party or doing something like that. I always advise everyone. Did I say Phil? Yes, you did. I'm yes, so sorry, Matt. 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 No Matt, worries. That's because you're not here, Matt. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> you're such note, a family. <laughs> on that note, hold the thought. Okay. We're going to talk more about renovations mm-hmm. after the break. We're taking a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. A client gave me the best compliment. He said... 
I'm the MacGyver of real estate. True, I'm resourceful and reliable. It was during a short sale that involved two banks and a foreclosure, and it was during the financial crisis. I pulled every trick out of my hat, and we closed the deal. He said, if I was ever stranded on a highway at two in the morning, you'd be the first person I'd call. <laughs> I am known for answering the phone at all hours of the night, but what he didn't know was that I've even helped a client change a tire. I'm Elizabeth Key with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and we're talking to Parul and Deborah and Matthew, and we're talking about renovations here in New York City. I'm personally going through one myself. It's been very enlightening, uh, to say the least, but, you know, I'm having patience. You know, I walked in the first day, and all of my kitchen was in my living room and entrance foyer, so we'll just start with that, and I've been literally camping out in my bedroom um, for the past hey, week we talked. So. We talked about lost living last time. Uh, <laughs> well, there the you go. <laughs> now they crashed my bathroom yesterday, so now the bathroom is in the bedroom. So we are really, as Deborah said before, kind of scooted off yeah. into a corner in one room, and it's. I go home and I just freak out. But thank mm. God for laptops. Anyway, Deborah, you was you were saying uh, about um, renovations before we went to the break. Oh, I was just going to say one more thing. I used to have this contractor that I referred to everyone all the time because what he would do is he would get all the permits, have everything picked out. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about meeting with someone. Everything had to be picked out and on site before he started any demolition. He warned the homeowners that you're going to be living with everything in your living room, meaning your cabinets, because they could come in wrong and it Hello, welcome to my living room, everything. (laughs) I was so sad when this man retired because once everything was picked out and everything was sitting in your living room, he would be in and out of your home yeah. in New York, which is unheard of. And mm-hmm. if you're doing a whole kitchen and maybe two bath renovations and the floors and everything, he'd be in and out in three weeks, which is unheard of. That's completely unheard of. Because, well, that's but my I timeline. I'm hoping it's going to happen with me, but I don't know. We get everything in. So well, I was going to say that, but... Uh, my apartment had a fire. Yes, oh, I know. And everything had to be redone. And we, I was displaced for some time. Um, but then when they were finishing up a few things and they said, oh, we'll be done in a couple of weeks. And my sublet lease had ended. So I thought, okay, well, I'll move back in if it's just a week or two. And it ended up being another five weeks. Oof. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just so uncomfortable. It really is. It's always that, the little stuff too, the yeah. minor stuff that lingers and lingers and lingers. Mm-hmm. And it is uncomfortable. What, I feel very uncomfortable. Matt said what, during the what break, I, I had a story about this. Matt, Matt, you no, there? No, Deb, go. No, no, I was pointing that you had a story. You mentioned during the break that you had a oh, story. Oh, yes, about sorry. This. So, no, so I, the one thing I wanted to chime in about, about renovations, is that I, I want buyers in the future to just be more aware 
of what the actualities <laughs> and nuances are of co-ops when getting into a renovation situation. And more than buyers, I want brokers to be more aware because I've had some situations within the last year where buyers apparently got upset of co-ops that I sold because they didn't, you know, understand fully what they were getting into. And, and you know, in all fairness, their broker should have been more aware um, or should have prepped them more because I think people feel that, you know, if they walk into a co-op and it needs renovations, the only thing they ask for is an alteration agreement. And, you know, they read what they can do and what they can't do in the apartment. And that's, that's, you know, that's good for them. But I've learned, especially with my buyers that I want them to see, you know, much more documentation. And I also want them to be fully aware of the biggest thing that I feel, which is the amount of renovations in an abil- in a building at the same time. I think a lot of people forget about that, but yep. a lot of yep. co-ops will only allow, you know, three or four renovations to go on at the same time. And if you're buying into a building where the apartment needs a complete gut and there are, you know, four apartments being renovated right now and a list of five more... And you're the sixth, you might not be getting started for a year or more. So I think it's just really important to prep buyers with that. And and, and that's a very good point, Matt. And, you know, also, you know, just like first-time homebuyers anywhere in New York or anywhere else – you know, first-time renovation people. You know, you you don't know until you know, and unless you've I've renovated many times before in my in my uh, life, so I understand. You know what what it entails. But you're right; you've got to make sure that the building is completely on board with you. I think there's two, maybe three renovations going on in my building, and and you're right. I I started this process actually in March. We only just actually started the work last week. So from March till now, and it's because there were people ahead of me and people having, you know, needing mm. to get stuff done. And I'm frustrated and I'm thinking, well, what's taking place and why, why the delay? But Matt's point is correct. It was because there were people ahead of me. Anyway, let's, let's move on a little bit. This is a funny story. In New York, residents of, now we're going to go from renovations to luxury, you know, fine, fine apartments. In New York, residents of luxury apartment buildings have doormen and private restaurants. In L.A., where luxury apartment buildings are a relatively new phenomenon, developers are offering, get this, their their residents as they buy in-house Botox sessions. <laughs> well, you can't say they don't know their audience. How would that work here in New York? Why don't new development uh, developers here in the city offer Botox? And what? why would anybody even think that? <laughs> this is a true story. Well, geez, I'm, I'm obviously living read it, in the wrong place. Wait, what did you say, Matt? What, Matt? I said I'm living in the wrong place. <laughs> well, I, I, Matthew, you true. don't need Botox. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why do you? You don't even need to do that. But anyway, I did it once long ago, just because I was curious and I wanted to. I will never do it again. I didn't like it at all. Up on the forehead. I'm so scared of it looking fake it, that I'm like counting my lucky stars right now you that don't I need haven't it either. Thank you. You know, I haven't gone there yet. Don't but know, if, for people who don't know parole, no judgments. No judgments. <laughs> no judgments because you never know. But, but my yeah. question to you guys like Matt is. Matt just said something. So my question to you guys is if developers starting started to offer Botox to buyers here in New York City, new developments like they are doing in L.A., do you think that would fly in New York City? I think we're much more discreet in this town. Um, I feel that. 
I don't know. I mean, the answer is I don't know. I mean, if it's a credit or whatever, but I, it doesn't seem to be, and my, my intuition says that that's just not a New York thing. Like, not in that way. Yeah, like you can get Botox on Groupon, but you, but you, which some people are into, but I don't think, I agree with Perul. People are a little more sophisticated and a little more picky. And you know, just it may, a little they more, want their um, person. And right, and it's also about, about disclosure. It's yeah. not a, I guess it's not such a thing that is, is a, I don't, I mean, I know I have a ton of friends who are very open in the sense of they will discuss, like I go to this dermatologist or whatever, but, um, but that being said, that's within an enclosed group of close friends where people are referring and saying, I've had a good experience or whatever. Not, it's not so publicly out there, you know, it doesn't, I think there's a little bit of a distinction in the way at least New Yorkers define what is classy. Um, I think in LA it might be just more, I mean, I'm not judging, you know, I'm not, this is not about a judgment towards LA as much as it just what is or how I think New Yorkers view this. Well, the sun shines greatly out in L.A. On, on a regular basis, so I think everybody who goes outside wants to look their best. And, of course, it's the entertainment industry, so I get it. That's I mean, what I, it is. I, I completely see where, where that would fit. I agree that it doesn't necessarily fly in New York, but I just would wonder, only because people here <coughs> who buy new development tend to buy new development condos because they love the amenities. I'm mm-hmm. not particularly an amenity person. I live in a pre-war building. We don't have any amenities, and that's perfectly fine with me. Um, I will take those pleasures outside to a gym or wherever else, which I think is more healthy. But anyway, that's my opinion. But so I just wondered if that was part of the mix of offerings. I mean, I do hear every once in a while that some of the buildings will offer a gym membership. If it's a related building, they'll offer an Equinox membership, et cetera, and that's fine. Yeah. But I just wonder, you know, what a Botox, you know, amenity. And, and when you think about it, what does it really cost? Four, five, six hundred dollars So it's not really much of a, a, a deal anyway. So – it's interesting. Let's see how it uh, it particularly or not <laughs> trails here in New York City. Anyway, as the seasons change, so can your mood. Your mental health, in fact, is dependent on many factors, environment, predisposition, relationships. But what about your living space? Can you affect, can your apartment affect, rather, your emotions? Well, particularly in New York where you live is really important for your mental health. As a New York City psychologist who works with real estate agents, how can our homes affect us emotionally and how can we use that to our advantage? Well, speaking of weather affecting our moods, um, that is the one thing that I will eternally uh, have an internal divide about in terms of moving to L.A. So while I would never want to, well, hopefully, you know, well, who knows about when I'll have to get Botox or if I will or whatever. (laughs) But that being said, you know, it's like the sun would be a wonderful thing. And I think it would do wonders for my mood because the winter is definitely taxing for us New Yorkers. Um, Apartments, of course. I mean, there's been thousands of years of feng shui studies and cultural cultures telling you if you do things this way instead of that way, the energy flow is better. It all amounts to, you know, how does your home affect your well-being and your vitality in your mood um so there is an absolute truth to that you know um in fact you know I'm somebody who genuinely doesn't care that much about where I live or how I live in terms of a status thing but to have high ceilings and to have an open space is something that just makes me feel better when I come home you know and so a beautiful home I think is so has so much more to do with personal well-being Mm -hmm. than you know what your friends think of it uh but yeah it absolutely I think a hundred percent has a has has an effect on your life and your well-being. I understand even right now, 
think about this. Not only as brokers, but as New Yorkers, our lives are very chaotic. We walk outside of our buildings, whether it be work or home, and there's chaos outside. It's good chaos, and it kind of gives us a, a vibrancy. Mm-hmm. But it's still, when you come home, you need your personal space. It's and your right, safe haven. It's true. Yeah. And right now, this is so minor, but it's affecting me so much. I had I have a washer and dryer, and I had to get a new dryer. My old one finally broke. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't fit through the doorway to come out and the new one wouldn't fit in. So I had to have someone come in and take the door jams down yeah. and put the whole thing in. And I haven't had him come back to put the door jams back up yet because he's a contractor and he's been very busy. Mm-hmm. He is coming this week, but it's been over a week. And I don't want to walk in that bathroom. Well, the door's off also, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. It's messing up my sanctity. Absolutely. You know, I, my sanctuary, and I'm sure Perul understands this. Vince, you understand it. Matt, I'm sure you understand it too. Absolutely. I actually, oh, sorry, what, I wanted, what I want to chime in is that my very close friends and I were talking about this the other day because I'm contemplating moving. Contemplating big, being the big word. Um, and, you know, he was trying to tell me that he lives on the West Coast And, you know, he's all into the where you live is where you love and your home is your sanctuary. And he was saying how he feels that's not the same for New Yorkers because Mm -hmm. we all work Mm -hmm. so much and we're not in our apartment that much because we're always on the go, always working. And and I cannot disagree with that more. I, I, I truly believe it goes back to... You know, in New York, you're either a light person or you're a view person. I always say that. And one of my celebrity clients who's a big light person always says that New York is one of the few places where the light that is let into your apartment can change your mood so much. Absolutely. Because you're able to have incredible light in apartment buildings. When it's the dead of winter and it's zero degrees, you can still have that amazing sunlight and you feel like you're, you know, potentially in a warmer climate. It completely changes you before you go out into the chaos that Deb was talking about. All right, let's hold the thought. We'll do more on that when we come back. We have to take a break. This is Good Morning New York, broadcasting live from New York City. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. One of the things that I love about my job is that every client's needs are different and every property is a new challenge. So recently I got a compliment from a young woman who we sold her $400,000 apartment in downtown Manhattan. And she wrote online, Patrick treated the sale of my $400,000 home as if it was a $10 million property. Do you have any idea how great that made me feel? I felt like a million bucks. Impeccable service designed for each client is what matters to me most. I'm Patrick Lilly with CORE, and this is what I do. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're talking to Peru Brombat from Compass, Deborah Hoffman, Town Residential, and Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate. Just to finish our thoughts on our emotional um, fit in our apartment, again, I'm renovating, and I think, you know, I'm living in my apartment for 12 years and it was renovated before I moved in. And I think, you know, to all of your point, when you come home, whether it's a busy, hectic, crazy, you know, runaround day outside on the streets of New York, which is very different than the rest of the world, you come home and it's your inner sanctuary and you need it to feel a certain way for you to feel emotionally, you know, okay at the end of the day to relax, whether you're with friends or just by yourself with my dog, Jet, a glass of wine. But if there's something askew, like, you know, taking off door jams to move, you know, a, a, a washing machine into a room and it's still not completed, that's enough to make me flip out. Again, not because it's so terrible, but because when I'm in my home, I need my emotional stability well, and I need to feel it, this is my paradise. And, and to Matt's friend's point, you know, he's absolutely right about one part of what he was saying, which is. <laughs> We are out of our homes. We are crazy busy. We, you know, start, I mean, I really work, start working um, at probably 6, 37 in the morning every day. And lately I'm working till 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, sometimes I work from home. Sometimes I'm not from working from home. But the fact of the matter is it's because my life is so busy. It's because I'm out with friends all the time. It's because I'm out with clients all the time that when I come home, it needs to be a sanctuary. It needs to be my my comfortable, warm bank blanket that I feel like cozy and and warm, and and it's my place where I get to recharge and and kind of recenter myself before I come out into the world the next day and do it all over again. So it is that much more important, not that much less, is what I would say. Especially for those of us who, from time to time, work from home, like I'm doing this week, you know, Absolutely. because I'm working there. But you know, you need it to be. Uh, feel a certain way to become, I think, even more productive. Um, anyway, moving on. Here we are in the dog days of summer, New York. For those of us who haven't um, fled the city, our city's parks offer some of the only refuge from the city's dusty, smelly heat and humidity <laughs> in Manhattan, because we don't have beaches. In Manhattan, there are two large green spaces, Riverside Park and Central Park, that call to us all the time, or at least those of us who live by the park. Here we go. Brick Underground asks several New Yorkers, would you rather while your summer and winter and even spring and fall days away in Central Park or Riverside Park? Two very different parks, one in the middle of the island, one on the west coast of the island. What would be your preferred park? Mm. Well, I have to admit that I 
have biked by Riverside Park, but haven't actually really spent the type of time there that I spent at Central Park all the time. It is, in fact, I mean, I don't even live by the park. I live in Union Square. And I still, um, in fact, was just making plans with a friend of mine to do a picnic this weekend in Central Park. And I really try to go there pretty much every chance I have just to even, you know, get in a meditation or a quick walk or whatever. So Central Park all the way for me. You know, I've always been a Riverside Park girl because it's less crowded. It feels more neighborhoody. And I, I just feel at home the same way our apartments make us feel like it's a sanctuary. I felt that about Riverside. But yesterday, my office decided to get off our, our butts and recharge and do a walk around the reservoir in Central mm, Park, awesome. which is what we did. And as we're doing it, because the weather was perfect yesterday, mm-hmm. I was thinking, why do I turn my back on Central Park? Why am I always in Riverside Park? Matt, it's, what do yeah. you think? I agree with Deb um, in terms of Riverside Park. And I'm biased because I grew up in and around Riverside Park. But when winter comes along, Riverside can get awfully cold and can get awfully um, just horrid how, how freezing it can be. It's almost like Chicago. So I, I'm going to have to go with Central Park as well. <laughs> Interesting. You know, my choice is Riverside Park. I like both parks, but I think, you know, I live on uh, West End Avenue, which is one block away from Riverside Park. And what I like most about it is from, from Battery Park City all the way up to the George Washington Bridge, you can bike, walk, run, without interruption or hesitation. I also am a water person, so for me, the Hudson River is as close to a beach that I'm going to get to. And yes, Matt, I agree with you. In the wintertime, the wind coming off the river and the cold is insane. But in the summertime, I think, for me, it gives me that feeling like I'm I'm close enough to water and I'm not landlocked inside a, a park, although there are beautiful reservoirs and lakes in, in Central. So, you know... I would I would vote for Riverside Park for me, but I think um, most of you and and all of you and the verdict actually is Central Park. So <laughs> most people would prefer Central Park. So Brook Underground. That's why it's more crowded. Thank you for that. Well, <laughs> there you go. Anyone familiar with our city's rental market knows it's not unusual to save money by carving up bedrooms with dividers in some cases and making space for more people. Still in a studio, there's nowhere to hide. One renter previously shared her studio sharing story, outlining its many frustrations, parceling out tiny bits of space in the closet and fridge for whatever, the awkward stretches of time when both residents were working from home, and of course, the strangeness of sleeping so closely to someone who isn't your romantic partner, for example, (laughs) or even if they are your romantic partner, you know, There are many people in this town, and not only just first-time renters or first-time owners who are two people living in a studio, but, you know, some people live in studios, two people or more, you know, for a while. How does a studio for two people really work or does it? I have a friend who, after a year of being with her boyfriend, they decided to move in together And the idea was, well, we're always at her place anyway, um, and she's got more closet space, so I'll just move in with her, and maybe we'll get a bigger place. And they lived in that studio for a year and a half, maybe even a, a little bit longer together, and got married afterwards. And I really was like, well, 
if you guys could live in that tiny 400 square foot space together and not kill each other, you guys have really put your relationship to the, to, to the test and getting married is the right thing. And they really do have a wonderful marriage, you know. Uh, but uh, I really think that it would test your relationship. That's for sure. Um, and I think some people come out of it in one piece. And I don't know if most do. You know, when I was looking at this story, I kept thinking, well, so you got to look at it both ways. So two friends living together that are not romantic and then uh, two people who are romantic living together. I still, though, think that uh, studios and I lived in two of them in the beginning of my my New York City career and love them. And I still say to myself someday, I'm going back to a simple studio because it's easy, it's quick, it's whatever. (laughs) Whether I do it or not, who knows. But I just don't know for two people. I think it's Mm. very tight quarters. I think it's unhealthy, actually. I hate to use that word, but in terms of energy, especially so I live, I also love studios, Vince, because I live in the biggest studio that I have ever seen in Manhattan. (laughs) And just to sound a little more, you know, upscale, I always like to say that I live in a loft (laughs) because it technically is. And... You know, I shout out to my beautiful, wonderful cousin, Alexa, her and her boyfriend, who they are so cute. They both work at investment banks and they just moved into a studio in financial district and power to them. I don't know how they do it. Just like Pearl says, it's a great test of a relationship because... They now talk to our whole family about how on the weekends they are definitely at each other at each other's throats because, you know, he wakes up early, she could sleep until two in the afternoon, and he has to actually leave the apartment because at the end of the day, it's a studio. You are on top of each other. Literally. You know, there's only yeah. one caveat to this for the people who may financially need to make that decision. And that is pick a building that has that extra, you know, room, like a, like a party room or a lounge or, or a rooftop, rooftop or all yeah. of the above. Very good idea. Um, because then you can really have an extended apartment right outside your door, but you can still be in your pajamas and go sit in that room and watch some TV or Absolutely. go have your coffee on the roof. So there are definite solutions to this and there are buildings that that offer that. So really, I think that a studio in an increasingly expensive uh, city, a studio can be an alternative for two people if you do it in a way where you're cognizant of all the issues that we're talking about. And listen, I've, I've sold several Pieta Terrace to people who have, you know, uh, houses, large homes in the suburbs and who just want a studio Pieta Terrace, we call them here, part-time residents. In the city for the weekends when they want to come in for shows and theater and and whatever. Uh, And that works because it's one night or two nights. And, you know, it's usually uh, a couple. So It's a hotel room that you own. Exactly. So that that really is where it works out. Anything else, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. As a Rebney member, and we are are all here in New York City, members of the Real Estate Board of New York – who govern our um, our daily activities. So as a revenue member, can I use the words no broker please in a residential advertisement? In other words, if you're putting a listing out, whether it's sale or whether it's rental and it's an exclusive, can you use the words no broker please? Meaning I don't want any brokers bringing clients to my listing. 
That's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that. But what if it's the landlord or the client for some reason who says, you know what, I don't want any other brokers involved for some nutty reason. I don't know why anybody would say that. But if your client demands it, we're not supposed is the to answer adver- yes or no? Right, no, but we're not supposed to advertise it that way. If the client um, insists on it, you could physically speak to other brokers, but you can't put it in writing. This is a big Rebney thing because we have a rule that you have to mm. share because we do yeah, not yeah. have a multiple listing service MLS in Manhattan. Yeah. Yes, everybody pick yourself up off the floor yeah. in the rest of the country. We do not have an MLS, <laughs> but we do have a rule with Rebney that we must, must, must share every listing we get if you're a Rebney member with every other Rebney member well, and, and every other know, company within 72 I hours. Will, I will say this. On the opposite side of the conversation, what I have run into and I am genuinely, and I, God, I, ever, I hardly ever use negative words, so this is going to sound like a big word for me, but I'm genuinely disgusted um, at some of the behaviors of not just brokers, but brokers' managers. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, yeah, a couple years ago, there were two cases where it was blatant that a broker on a sale did not want to co-broke and was willing to do the deal with the same exact client without co-broking, but was not willing to get the deal done when a broker was involved. And when this conversation was taken to a manager... Uh, at a very well-known company, um, the manager basically said, and what? And that is not the way we are supposed to be working in this town as brokers and as co-brokers. And I will give a shout out to Corcoran specifically. When I was at Corcoran for five years before at Core and then at Compass now, um, to the best of my knowledge, it was the the ethics of this was drummed into my mind. By managers, during Me meetings. Too. I mean, it was a, they did an excellent job of really teaching that as a value and an inherent value that Barbara Corcoran was the one who really sort of mm-hmm. forged that whole front and uh, frontier. And I think that they really, really carried that value uh, very strongly. I, I agree with that. And I also agree with you, Peru, because it, it's almost like it runs rampant in this town because you bump into these these brokers and or their managers on an almost regular basis. I hate mm-hmm. to say that. And it's really not the right thing to do uh, we are, you know, it's in very short sighted. What it very- is, it's really short sighted. And, you know, for the listening audience out there, you know, there are then buyers who run around thinking that maybe they're going to be better off not using a broker on the buy side of the transaction. And the one thing I will say genuinely is it's penny wise, pound foolish. Yeah, exactly. And this is why, because Big there's time. a small, small subsect of brokers who are selfish and short sighted enough to not co broke well or be- treat other brokers fairly. But most of us are genuinely driven to recognize that long-term, the last thing you want, it's a small community, the last thing you want is the reputation of being the broker who does not co-broke because then your deals will not get done on the other side, number one, first and foremost. But secondly, for the end buyer, it is so important. Just recently, in fact, right now, I just put in an offer last night on uh, for these buyers. They were looking all over Brooklyn by themselves and they're friends of friends of mine. And uh, they weren't using a broker. They were just sort of like, well, we're just kicking tires. Let's figure it out ourselves. And then maybe we'll see. They saw my friend who had bought an apartment through me. I think it is now two years ago. And they said, you absolutely just give Parul a call. Even if you don't use her, she's going to give you sound advice. Just do it. And he 
you know, my friend reached out to me and said, look, I don't know if they're so, they're so far in the process. I don't know if they'll actually use you, but I think they need to use you. So I'm putting you in touch. I said, absolutely. When they called me, I just gave them advice. I did not ask for the business. I did nothing of the sort. And they send me a message back about 20 minutes later and said, we really want you to represent us. What you had to say to us in just a quick phone call was so valuable that we realized involving you in the process is important. Then they sent me the apartment that they were about to put an offer in on in a new development. And I looked at it, I did some work and I recognized that in the very near future, there's going to be another building that would have gone up 40 feet away from the windows, the only direction that they had a view in, uh, 40 feet away, there wow. was going to be another building that was going to completely block their view. Um, had they not got in touch with me, also the price per square foot didn't make sense. Um, had they not gotten in touch with me, they would have purchased this apartment and they would have literally, speaking of Pennywise Pound Foolish, um, I worked this out with them. I had to disappoint them and not tell them to not buy the apartment that they wanted, which, you know, if I was a selfish broker, I would have probably not done that. Let them buy whatever they wanted to buy, made a commission on it. Instead, I said, look, guys, I know I'm breaking your heart, but I'm hope, hoping that it's doing it for the right reasons. And then I thought, hey, here I am. Instead of taking an easy commission, now I'm probably going to have a six-month, who knows how long of a period of showing them places until I get a deal done. But it was the right thing to do. As it turns out, we found something immediately that they loved, and now we put in an offer within a few days later. But the fact of the matter is, is that's what we're supposed to do as brokers. Look out for your best interest. So finding that broker is the best thing you can do for yourself. All right, we have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll be right back. I mean, it was insane. Like, these guys were literally going to get so screwed. Well, that's what Michael Schvall was doing. Wait, what new development was it, by the way? Oh, Michael Schvall. Rule speaking. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. So I just wanted to close the loop on that last conversation. So as a Rebney member, we are not 
allowed to use the terms no broker please as you know my panel here was discussing and that's according to the Rebney Real Estate Board of New York Code of Ethics so it's against our practices and we must co-broke or you know share our listings with everybody even as Deb said we don't have an MLS system in this city but we do have systems that allow every agent in town to see your listings. All right, moving on. Earlier this week, the good folks at Thrill List published a piece about the most beautiful streets in New York City, name-checking such pretty pathways as Convent Avenue in Harlem, Jerolaman Street in Brooklyn Heights, and Mm -hmm. the Nettle Lane in Greenwich Village. Mm -hmm. It's a solid list filled with plenty of worthy choices, but with thousands of streets throughout the five boroughs, uh, we're sure that there are some beautiful thoroughfares that didn't make the cut. So, you know, a couple of questions to you guys as real estate agents here in Manhattan. First of all, what is your favorite street, if you even have one? And, and second, I mean, if you can narrow it down to one, I probably have three or four. Me too. When you're out with buyers, especially buyers for the first time or, you know, even if you know them, do they actually, you know, tell you or tailor, ask you to tailor a search to a pretty street because they want to live on that street? Or is it just something that may or may not happen as you go through the search and the hunt for a new apartment? Wow, that's a really personal topic, I would say, because I think everyone's, (laughs) everyone's taste changes just yes. like neighborhood to neighborhood i think everyone's taste changes from street to street like i am personally a huge lover of about seven blocks in the west village because they make me feel like i'm back in europe living mm-hmm. there as a younger person um but then you know people love streets of tribeca and say they're the most beautiful because they're that old cast iron you know, before conversion, pre-war kind of thing where those lofts that we speak so much about are. But I have to say that I think parole is going to agree with me. And I'm going to hope <laughs> You're reading too. my mind and heart. She but, does. But I, I would say probably the prettiest streets are either in um, the West Village or Brooklyn Heights. Matt, I, okay, oh, gosh, they are. I we're mean, they we're are. going. We're going to have to take a stroll together one of these days. Um, my <laughs> favorite street is Morton Street mm. in the West Village. Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, there's a countless beautiful streets in in West Village. Perry Street is beautiful. Morton is yeah. one of mine, and I really do like some of the townhouse blocks, like West. 10th, 11th as well. Um, So yeah, West Village, absolutely. And Brooklyn Heights, absolutely. But I can't even just pick one street. It's kind of like the (laughs) the feel of the whole neighborhood. But like the fruit streets, right? Like pineapple and orange streets are so gorgeous. Yeah, Stunning. Uh, But I could not agree with you more. I like East 69th Street on uh, between Fifth Avenue and, say, Lexington Avenue on the Upper East Side. It's just so pristine. It's beautiful. Townhomes. Uh, I, I like uh, the brownstones on West 78th Street, you know, on the park yeah. blocks. Yes. I mean, there's so many beautiful streets. I mean, of course, streets. like, you know, Fifth Avenue by the park. It's so beautiful. And then, yeah. of course, I mean, if, if I had to pick, like, a major thoroughfare, I think 72nd Street on the West Side is absolutely gorgeous. So but, there's a, others yeah, as well. Um that's that's the thing about this city is that, that in such a compact space we have so many different neighborhoods and flavors and feelings and it's it's just a beautiful city. Well, as Matt said, it's always constantly changing because I took some buyers out. This was absolutely crazy. They had put in as we we're talking about the old market seven offers. They got outbid in every one. 
we finally found this one street, and it's very funny because it's East 77th Street between 2nd and 1st, and I've sold yes. about 15 apartments on that block. And I never really looked at it until this couple brought the parents back, and they said, this is one of the most beautiful streets we've seen. And I looked around, and I said, wow, it is. So it is personal taste, and it's also where you are in life. And that's what's so wonderful about our city, because you could have a favorite street this week, and then 10 years later, you could have a different favorite street. But the, also, to that point, Deborah, it, you're, you're right, but the, the good news about living in Manhattan or in Brooklyn Heights or whatever, even if you have favorite streets, you can still always go to them if you decide you're not living on one. So you can walk down the street. Yes. I sometimes just grab a cup of coffee you know, uh, in, in the morning or whatever, and I'll walk down a very beautiful street on the Upper West Side where I live or in the village, and just because... I want to be in that space. I want to be on mm-hmm, that street because it makes me feel happy. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to live on the street, but it's there for me to and appreciate. there's so much like Park Slope. And I mean, oh, just so beautiful. Well, we, we are out of time today. Oh. I want to say that is Good Morning uh, New York for this week. Next week, we're going to get a mortgage and finance update from Jeff Appel, who works at Bank of America. Thanks for joining us today. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or vincerocco.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for listening in, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.com.